uh, I don't know if you noticed it in the bulletin or ever pay much attention to it, but this year we exceeded our budget, and that's a, <clears throat> I told my wife, I looked at her, I just wanted to look at it, I looked at it, and I said, you know, that's something only God can do. Take a congregation like this and help us to, and I know he uses you to give, to, uh, to serve the Lord. We have a lot of online gifts too, and those come from you, not everybody drops in the offering plate when the ushers pass by, and I know sometimes the ushers wonder, uh, but some people give online. Uh, they might give online when they get here on Sunday. They might give online when they go home. And some people who are listening uh, from faraway places have the opportunity to go to our website, and they can give to our church online and support the ministry of our church. So I'm just telling you those are things that only God can do, the ways that God works to support his work, to carry on his mission and his message literally around the world, and you carry it around the world. We have from our devotional site uh, on our webpage this past year, 19,635 different people visited that devotional site. That's an amazing thing to me to think that God is working this week I received an email, as I do often, from a family in India who listened to the services of our church. Why? You tell me why. That's something that only God can do. So I just remind you that God is at work, and uh, sometimes we, always, we can't always see him working in the midst of our circumstances. That leads us into where we are today. Our emphasis and our theme for this year is expect something new. That's based on the promise of God in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18, 19, and 21. Sid and Vicki gave me a calendar, and Vicki and Sid, I opened that calendar, and on the first of the new year, the verse at the top is Isaiah 43, 18. It said simply, it's a portion of the verse that said, Behold, I will do something new. You didn't know that, but when I opened it, I said, Isn't that how the Lord works? Just to confirm what he's doing. The Lord said, Behold, I do something new. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And the result of that being, the people who I formed for myself will declare my praise. God has a purpose that he's working in and through the lives of his people. So there's the title of my message today. This is a sign to me from the Lord. I can't explain to you in the service because it would take the whole service to describe to you how this was a sign to me this week. But you see, if we are going to expect God to do something new in our lives and in our church, then one of the things that we're going to have to do this year is we're going to have to expect God to be God. Expect God to do what only he can do. Expect him to work in surprising and supernatural ways. You're going to see that in the life of a person today, the life of a person whose name was Elisha. The story of Elisha and Elijah, really their parting, is found in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and following. I'm going to read 
verses 1 through 12. And the Bible says, And it came about when the Lord was about to take Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for, uh, for, uh, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, be still. Elijah uh, said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said to him, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said to him, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken, it shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. I stopped reading in the middle of verse 12 because I want you to see this was a season of significant change in the life of Elisha. What just happened? Well, Elijah went to heaven in a blaze of glory, but Elisha lost the single most significant person in his life. Elijah was God's prophet. Elijah was uh, God's voice to Elisha. Elijah was his mentor, his guide, his compass for living, his roadmap for God. You might not understand that when Elisha was just a boy, Elijah found Elisha and he was a plowboy. And it's just as Jesus called the disciples to follow him. And the Bible tells us how the disciples left their nets and their boats and, and they went to follow Jesus. Elisha left his plows and his oxen and his family and his friends, and he followed Elijah. Elisha followed Elijah. Elijah followed God. Elijah took Elisha under his wing and taught him about God. And as he observed the life of Elijah, he understood that the presence and power of God rested upon the life of Elijah. Elijah was a man who followed God. But when Elijah was gone, all of that changed. How would Elisha 
discern God's leadership? How would he listen for God's voice? How would he experience God's presence and power? Now, it's important that you hear me here. I want to remind you that all of us have someone important in our lives. We have someone who, to us, shows us what God wants us to do, tells us about God. That may be the preacher. You won't always have a preacher to help you hear from God. You won't always have a preacher to show you what God is doing. You don't always have a mentor to say, this is the way you ought to go or this is the decision you, you ought to make. You need to learn how to hear from God yourself. You need the faith to follow God, expecting God to keep his promises to you just as you heard somebody else in the past tell you about how God kept uh, his promises to them. Elijah was gone. This was a, a season of significant change for Elisha, but also in the midst of this change, Elisha needed to learn to expect God to be God. Don't look for Elijah anymore. Instead, expect God to show up in the midst of your circumstances. Expect God to be God and expect God to do what only God can do. If we're going to expect something new in First Baptist Church in 2022, it won't be something that you can do. It won't be something that I can do. It will be something that only God can do. And you need to go forward expecting God to be God. Not only was this a season of significant change in Elisha's life, it was a season of significant grief. Remember, Elisha had given up his parents to follow Elijah. He had burned his plows and sacrificed his oxen. Elijah meant all the world to him. Losing him would be like losing a father. And if you follow this story, what you're seeing here is really the last moments between two people who were very close. It was almost like a father and a son relationship. El Elisha spending those last hours with Elijah, clinging to every moment, knowing that their time was short. And sometimes in that moment, the father will turn to his son and, and, and try to give him some words of encouragement or some life mission or some life message as David did to Solomon. Here's Elijah speaking to Elisha and he simply says, what can I give you? What can I do for you? And Elisha could have asked for his pocketbook. Elisha could have asked for his mantle, but he didn't ask for that. Instead, Elisha said, look, I just want to be twice the man that you are. I want to be twice the man of God that you are. I want two times the spirit that rests upon you to rest upon me. It was a touching moment between these two. You know, I think about my dad. My dad used to say, you know, son, anything I have is yours, but I didn't want what he had. I just wanted him. I'm driving his pickup today, but I'd much rather have my dad back than have the pickup there wasn't anything that Elisha wanted from Elijah. What he wanted most was just to, to be with him. And so he didn't ask for his authority. He didn't ask for his sandals. He just asked for a double portion of his spirit. And then the moment came. Horses and chariots of fire came down out of heaven, and Elijah was swept away, and in a flash of glory, he was gone. Some of you have already experienced that this year. You lost somebody significant to you. You had some pain enter into your life 
And you've had to go on. You've had to keep on living. And that was Elisha in this moment. The Lord swept Elijah away. It was an experience of loss and grief. And we see there in verse 12, I'll read the whole verse now. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. This was no revival service for Elisha. This was a moment of abject despair. When we look at people in the Bible, we consider because they were great men, the things that happened in and through and around their lives must have depended on their presence and their power and their personality. So we reckon these mighty works to be things of the past because these great men are gone. That might have been so with Elisha. He might have gathered up the pieces of his life and gone back to plowing. But instead, in this season of significant sorrow, Elisha expected God to be God and to be still able and capable to do mighty works in and around and through his own life. Listen, the God who did mighty works in and around and through the life of Moses, in and around and through the life of Elijah, in and around and through the life of Elisha, in and around and through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, in and around and through the life of the disciples can do mighty works in, around, and through your life. Expect God to be God. That's simply what Elisha was doing. But that required Elisha's own heart to be filled with significant spiritual courage. The Bible says he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two. Verse 13, Then he also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He knew where Elijah was. There's no doubt about that. When someone you love goes on to be with the Lord, you don't worry so much about them. It's you because you are alone and Elisha was alone. And here he is picking up the pieces. This is the picture here that we ought to see. He's picking up the pieces, picking up Elijah's mantle. Sometimes my daughters and even their children, now almost seven years past my dad's death, will go to my dad's closet where his clothes still hang, and they will say, I want one of Papa's sweaters because his smell is still on it. You've had that experience when you lost somebody. You picked up something that was theirs and you felt of it and you held it and you still do. It's still precious to you because it belonged to them. And so Elisha picks up this mantle that belongs to Elijah. His world had crumbled. He picked up the pieces to go home. But before he could take two steps, he was faced with the complications that life often brings when we try to just be who we're supposed to be when we try to move forward in life and just follow God. Remember, they had crossed the Jordan together, the two of them. Elijah, the mighty man of God, remember what he did? He took his mantle, this like cloak-like thing, coat-like thing that he had, and he struck the waters of the Jordan River with it. It was a river like the Pascagoula River or the Chickasahay River. And when he did, the waters parted. And like the Red Sea in the Bible, and they walked across on dry ground. Well, after Elijah died and 
Elisha turned around, or Elijah went to heaven. Elisha turned around to go home, and there's the waters of the Jordan. There's the Chickasahay River. There's the Pascagoula River. There's the problem full again, right in front of him again. How's he going to get back across? How's he going to go the direction that God wants him to go? And so it took a significant amount of courage for Elisha to take Elijah's mantle and say, well, let's just expect God to be God. Let's expect God to work as he worked in the past. Let's expect God to do what he did in the days of Elijah. So he takes the mantle, he strikes the waters of the Jordan, and the waters part just as they had parted for Elijah, and he walked across on dry ground. That is what we're going to have to do in 2022. Expect God to be God. Expect Him to do what only He can do. That's what you're going to have to do in your life. That's not my assignment. That's your assignment. That's your mission from God. That's your message from God. Do you have enough spiritual courage to expect God to do what only He can do? But that also required Elisha to ask a significant spiritual question. And that's found in verse 14. Now he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? That's the question that we're not asking anymore in church. We ask, Where is my music? Where is my service? Where is my Sunday school class? Where is this? Where is that? But we don't ask, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And as a result, we don't see God do anything because we don't expect Him to. I am told that Charles Haddon Spurgeon on one occasion when he was talking with the young minister who was discouraged because, and as you can be, because no decisions were made when he preached. And he said, young man, you don't expect someone to respond every time you preach, do you? And he said, well, no, sir. And he said, well, that's why no one does. William Carey, the great missionary, the Bible translator, preacher, educator, once preached a sermon entitled, and you might remember it, you didn't hear it, but you've heard of it, Expect Great Things from God, Attempt great things for God. Expecting great things from God requires you expecting God to be God. Attempting great things for God requires that you expect God to be God and have the spiritual courage to ask the question, where is the God of Elijah? If he did great things then, can he not do great things today? Will he not for me? solve this problem, move this, this mountain, part these waters, can he not carry us forward into the future? That is the question that's going to take us forward into 22. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Will you in this coming year, in your life, in your family, in your church, in your circumstances, will you expect God to be God. That's what Elisha did. And God proved himself to Elisha. Let's pray.